Welcome to the Greatest Gold Podcast. This is your host, Mr. PD Podcast in the house, aka Mr. Peter Locks, because I always put them locks in. Always get these bets right. I predicted Chivas 3 0. Actually, I did. All right. I'm going to take that shit back. I didn't predict the Chivas 3 0. But what I did say is this I did say that Chivas sh- should smash. Veracruz, which we tied 0-0. And I basically gave up on Chivas. Uh, not not gave up on Chivas, but I don't see them, I didn't see them having the high um, aspiration to get to the to the final in the, of the Liga MX. You know, so what they did versus Atlas this weekend, this past weekend, um, it's what they should have done to Veracruz. But now since they did it to Atlas, which is a better team than Veracruz, I think, again, we can make a challenge. A challenge to the goddamn, um, what is this thing called? This cup. This Liga MX, people call. I think we could win the goddamn thing. You see what I'm saying? In Mexico, it's real weird. It's, uh... It's a league, a ligia, a playoff that you just need to get to. It's like a party. It's a party that you know you could get real hammered at, real drunk. All you have to do is get to the party. And once you're in the first eight spots of the ligia, I mean of the table, to get to ligia, you know that that night's going to be a good night. You see what I'm saying? You, you catch my drift. You're picking up what I'm putting down. What I mean is this. I lost my point, and we're just going to continue with the rundown. Scratch all that bullshit I just said. Let's move into Chucky Lozano. We're going to start off with Chucky Lozano. Forget about everything I just said right there. That was all bullshit. Now, Chucky Lozano was replaced at halftime in his last game. Uh, Van Bommel took him out at the 45th minute. Well, not at the 45th minute, but at halftime. And uh, lots of the Dutch press were surprised by it. But after the game, they asked him why they took him out. And Van Bommel said because he didn't pressure up top. Because he def- he defended like halfways. He wasn't really defending to his max. And he was the first one to really give up. Um, so he was replaced. But what you have to know about Chucky Lozano, two games ago, he went up for a, a, an air ball. Where he was trying to win through air. You know, head it down. And he clashed heads with the opposition head-to-head. And he was concussed. He fell to the ground, and he got taken out of the game. He, you know, usually on clash of heads, you know, if you're if you're bleeding, usually you come, you know, they wrap you around. You come back into the game. You get to, depending on how bad it was. I guess it was really that bad. Even though there wasn't no goddamn blood on his face or anything, he didn't bleed. But I guess he was seriously concussed. Because he got taken out of that game as soon as that clash happened. Then the next game comes up, and he doesn't play either. And then the next game comes up, and he doesn't play again. So that's two goddamn games from a clash of heads where he didn't even bleed. But that doesn't mean he wasn't concussed because he didn't play. And then when he did play, this bullshit happened. He played halfways. He didn't pressure up top. He didn't do the defensive work that Van Bommel asked of him. So Van Bommel took him out at halftime. Now, the Dutch press wasn't really mad at this game. Or at this attitude of Chucky Lozano, or the halfway attitude that he had, not really showing up to this game. They were mad in the second game that he played. 
After this game, he played another game. And that game, I guess Chucky had a real attitude. Things weren't clicking for him. And he was uh, he was fouling a lot. So, I've heard this from Pachuca fans in the past. That have watched Chucky for a long time. And that is when Chucky's in a rut. He loses his temper. And he doesn't show up to the games like he usually does. Um, the attitude is not there, you know. So... I think for Chucky, I think he just needs to get to back into the rhythm of things. But I've heard this before. I've heard this stuff from Chucky, and I've seen sometimes where he's lost his head or where he's gotten a red card. And yes, I've heard that he goes in, into these little ruts like any other player. They have their ups and their downs, their peaks and their lows, which is perfectly fine. But I've never seen Chucky in that in that mode. I'm not a Pachuca fan, so the only times I've seen Chucky when he was in Mexico was when he played against Chivas. And when he played against Chivas, he was usually kicking the shit out of the lateral. So, I've never seen it. I've seen clips of it because I've seen him do stupid stuff. I've seen him get red carded, get yellows. I've seen him taunt laterals. You know, he's a player that likes to trash talk a lot, which is fine. But I've never really seen him in a rut. And I didn't see that game, but I'm hearing about it now, but... You know, I have to catch a PSV game because really, it sounds like um, I need to see it for myself is what I'm saying. I need to see it for myself. You people need to see it for yourself. And uh, that's probably what I'm going to do this goddamn weekend. It's a priority. You know what? I think it's a priority. I think it's a priority. I'm going to put it on my to-do list. Priority. Watch the goddamn game. Boom. Double boom. Now... Let's move on from Chucky Lozano because we can't really get anything from that. Oh, let me just mention this. Another article that I have here. Uh, Westerhoff recommends Chucky Lozano to learn from Gutierrez. It's another article. I didn't even read it, but let me see what it says here. Uh, en ese sentido puede aprender mucho de Eric Gutierrez. Siempre ha sido muy realista en su propia carrera y también entiende por qué no está jugando en PSV ahora. Uh, en México a menudo se vio decorado después de algunos goles. Y en cuanto a las cosas, okay, I don't know what this article is. I'm not going to translate. And I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to waste more time with that. That was a waste of paper. I shouldn't have printed that shit out. Uh, I guess Westerhoff said that, well, let's just get back to it. Segue. Van West, Hans Westerhoff said that um, Chucky could learn from Eric Gutierrez. And I'm not going to read the article to figure what exactly. Uh, let's move on to Jose Juan Macias. Uh, is a player from Chivas Fuerzas Básica, which the first time I, I saw him play, you know, I saw Godinez play, I saw Jose Juan Macias, I saw uh, Ronaldo Cisnero come from, from Santos, and Saldivar obviously was there before all these guys. Before seeing all these guys, you know, I, I saw them for moments. They weren't players that really weren't starting. Saldivar was the one playing the most, but Saldivar, for the most part, never caught my eye because he was a nine that really, you couldn't tell exactly what was his strong suit, and that's the one thing I hate. You know, the great players in any sport are the ones where the novice, the person that doesn't know about the sport, could tell that's a great player. You don't have to be a genius to figure out that Messi's a great player. A novice, a person that never watched soccer, could see that player's different. Because it's just too visually 
um, you know, showing to that to the to the to the to that uh, untrained eye, if you will, who's legit and who's not. So Jose Juan Macias, the first time I saw him play, I saw him get a. He, I saw he was a nine, you know, a striker, but I saw him get a ball off a bounce, brought it down. You know, it's sort of a post it up. You know, if, if you play basketball, you know what a post up is. You know, sort of get get the ball in the post. You stick out your, your you know, your butt, sort of get low to the ground so they can't push you over. But in soccer, players that do that with the ball at their feet aren't usually, are usually number nines, but not the way he did it. I saw him do that off a of bounce, turn the player, and give a pass. Now, I've seen lots of nines in my day, but... Nines that move like that, like the way he did when when he got that ball. As soon as he got that pass and he did that little gesture, and you would really have to see it in, in real time, how he did it. Um, you could tell that you know uh, that he was uh, versatile. And right away, I said off that one play, I said he's a good player. Just because nines don't move, the nines that I've seen don't move like that. And that was just a that was just a goddamn ball that he received, you know, with his back to goal. But just the way he did it, the way it was so fluent, the way he didn't he didn't look like heavy footed. It came out so nice, you know, and uh, and he turned the the defender. It, it looked real good. Right away, as soon as I saw that player, I'm like, Salivar can't do that. Um, Godinez can't do that. Uh, and Alan Pulido can't even do that. So. I, as soon as I saw him, I knew he was a different player. I didn't know how different because you don't know the potential of a player from a stupid play. But I could tell that he wasn't like the other nines. He was the one that caught my eye the most. So, and I said at that moment, that nine was better. He had the most potential out of the rest of the nines. Because he has different characteristics than the other nines. So these characteristics in, in that type of nine are hard to find. Uh, usually you have your basic number nine that plays in the box that looks to to run into the spaces that looks you know to run first post second post uh to the penalty spot uh, you have nines that are real smart like hernandez that know how to read a defense and go the opposite way or faint one way go the other way you have nines like that or you have nines that are overwhelming with with potential with physique like um, maybe a Carlos Hermosillo in his day, these big nines that just overpower you, you know, which is what I refer, you know, Godinez to. What I think Godinez is, is more of that type of nine, which is a nine that's, you know, big, strong, that's going to overpower overpower you more than overthink, outthink you, outthink the defense. And what I saw in Macias is a more talented nine, a nine that could use more of his talent than than those other things more than his physique and more than his speed but just um you know the technical ability the way he looks so uh, smooth making that play and you really have to see the play to, to to know what i'm talking about uh you know i i like in those type of way those type of plays the way he he did that play which i don't i know you you don't know what i'm talking about and i wish i had a clip of it but i, I liken that to a winger being able to do that like a, like a Gio or a Carlos Vela on the wing being able to do that, but but not a not a classic nine, which he is. That that's the difference, that he is a classic nine, but classic nines don't do that, and that's my point, because he's able to 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 play inside the box, but he's also able to do those other things, which is link up. You know, I think he has the in this year he has four goals with uh, Leon. 
and he has three assists. So that's what I mean. He could be the goal scorer and the person that gives the assist because he likes to come back, because he likes to link up, because I saw him do that move, and that's the way it looks. You know, the other part of that play that I'm not explaining is not only did he turn the player, but he had his head up looking for an option. So he had his head up looking for an option, and he was also looking to score a goal. He was also looking to turn around, which goes to show you that in that little play, that's a lot of things for that position. So as soon as I saw it, I said, this kid has something. I don't know what it is, but let's keep on watching. And yeah, I said he was my favorite player of all the, 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 the Chivas Nines. And he's turning out to be a hell of a player in Leon. He's got a good run. And I don't think this is going to stop. I don't think it's a, it's a, a um, it was a, a casualty. I don't think this was luck. Because as soon as I saw him, I, I knew what was up. At least me. But then again, I have to say it was me. Honestly, I don't want to be, I don't want to exaggerate and uh, be gauche. I don't even know what that fucking word means. But what I mean is, I've had a good eye, a good eye in the past. So, um, I think Jose Juan Macias is going to do damage, going to continue to do damage in Leon. And let's see what Chivas can get for him. The reason I put this in my rundown to talk about Jose Juan Macias is because Chivas had put um, uh, a buyout clause... What's well, it's a loan that he got loaned to to he got loaned that's tongue twister he got loaned to Leon FC, um, and the the buyout clause basically is fifteen million not a buyout clause but if they want to uh, purchase the player they have to pay fifteen mil, so he's all known with Leon, but if they want to buy him it's fifteen mil, which is good I think uh, Iguera and the Chivas people. Put that clause in there, that that um, that that amount, because when Chivas also wanted uh, to buy uh, Redolfo Cota, Leon uh, up their price tag. I think their original price was in was below the tens, and they put him at fifteen. So Higuera, not knowing what Macias was gonna do, you know, went on loan to to Leon. And he just put by casualty a 15 million uh, uh, price tag on the player, which I think the people in Leon are starting to question or starting to, at least it's on their mind, which is good. Honestly, I like Macias, hell of a player. If he came back to Chivas, it'd be the shit. But if not, honestly, it's not a player that we, we need really. The, the, the strikers that are in Chivas right now are more... Are, are better as a duel than they are separated. So if Macias came in, the the what's good about the Chivas Nines right now is that their chemistry is in sync. Alan Polito and Alexis Vega are players that are really in sync together. So it could be a really good duo. But if you bring Jose Juan Macias, you don't know if he's going to fit in with uh, Alan Pulido or, or, or a Vega. So honestly, I think there's players, sections of our, our, our starting 11 that need a little bit more help. So I think we need a winger. So if, it, honestly, I wouldn't mind. I like Macias. I've always liked him. Um, but I, that's a player where I don't think uh, bringing him back to Chivas is going to be, it, it might be counterproductive because 
like I said, Chivas might not have the best nines, but we have uh, nines with a really good chemistry. You know, that they can both do certain things to, to, to help and attack. So I prefer the dupla. I prefer them too. Then Jose Juan Macias coming in. And uh, not to say he's going to mess it up, but it's not going to be the same link-up play. It might be because he does have those characteristics, but you don't know how the chemistry is going to go. I know he's a number nine that could play outside the box, drift inside the outside box, but you don't know if the chemistry is going to be there, you know? And that's something Alexis Vega and Alan Pulido found on day one. Uh, the chemistry was there. So I'm not sure about Jose Juan Macias coming back to Chivas. I would prefer us to sell him and get a winger like a Gallardo or a, or a Pablo Barrera. I, I honestly think we need a, a, a winger on the left side because uh, Cisneros is not, for me, cutting it at all. He's a player that would do well defensively or helping out, uh, you know, putting uh, sacrificing his body for the team, which is great. You need that type of player. But on the wings, I would prefer a, a more skilled winger. So I would honestly want Gallardo or uh, or a Pablo Barrera. So that's fine for for Jose Juan Macias. That's good that we put that that high price tag, and hopefully uh, we can make that sell and bring in uh, other players. I know for fifteen mil we get probably get two. So uh, two uh, one real good one or or two uh, decent ones. But let's see how that goes, and let's see if he ends up on the on the top three of the of the goal scorers for the year, for the season at least. So let's keep on going with this. Let's talk about Jose, uh, Juan Carlos Osorio, uh, the corruption story that's coming out about Osorio, and the story is this: supposedly, allegedly, but also really. No, I'm just playing. Uh, Osorio would. Be at a club, you know, be the head coach. And he would bring players. He would buy players. He would ask his, his sporting directors to buy a player. At the same time, he would ask the agent of the player that he was contracting or he was asking his team to contract. He was asking the player's agent to give him a commission for the buy. You, you, do you catch that? I'm the head coach of Chivas. I ask Iguera to put in the word to Jorge Vergara that I want X player from, from Pachuca. But I ask the Pachuca player and his agent, I'm going to bring you to my team. But from you guys and the money that my team gives you, not me directly, but the owner, I want 400000 from your agent, your commission, or whatever the hell you guys get on your side. Whatever pay you guys get back, I want that for me. That supposedly, and that's just a made-up uh, example. Uh, that's not what's exactly happening in the technical sense, in a true sense. But that's what they're saying has happened with Osorio. He has asked agents of other players that they're bringing to his teams for a commission. So I think that is a racket that Osorio has has done supposedly I, i'm not saying i know i'm saying that's what that's what they're saying and honestly it wouldn't surprise me 
if that was the case. Because Osorio has always, uh, he's always seemed slimy. Because I don't get a guy that talks, is so softly spoken and could blow up that harsh like the way he has in games. Cussing, uh, you know, and um, saying certain things. And then on top of that, there's a lot of rumors about this this individual, you know, about him, you know, cheating on his wife, which those are personal things, but those are also character defects. I don't really care about that. I don't care if he cheats on his wife, but they are character defects. And it shows you that it's not a, a not an ethical person. So more than anything, I'm interested on the character. And just by the way that he was so softly spoken and he blew up in a New Zealand game, he blew up at the coaches, calling them motherfuckers and all this. It's really out of character for a person that's so softly spoken. You get what I'm saying? If if Vasco Aguirre would have done that, that's not surprising. Because you know his character. And that's an honest person. That's a person that's like that 100% of the time. That could blow up like them. That's why I always appreciate people that are are a certain way or the way they are 100% of the time. I don't trust the guy that smiles in your face, that says hi, shakes your hand, and then turns around and he's probably saying, F that guy. I don't trust that type of slimy character. And that's what Osorio seemed to, to sound like. Being so softly spoken, so nice, so humble. And then... When a game wasn't going his way, he would blow up at the opposition, cussing at them and saying, you know, crazy things. And then on top of that, the rumors that have come out about him, I mean, where there's smoke, there's fire. And honestly, uh, like I said, I don't care about the rumors, but I care about his character. And if this, that's why I'm saying, if this were to be true, that he was getting... Uh, commissions for for the buys of players of bringing him to his team it wouldn't be surprising to me honestly it, it would check out to me it would make sense to me but hey that's just me god damn it i'm the guy that gets this shit right all the time boom double boom on that uh, i'm just playing. let's move on to victor manuel Bucetich going to queretaro he already went to Querétaro. Now, this is a problem we talked about rafa puente del junior uh like a week ago and this is the problem. Querétaro's not a good team. So you're bringing a hell of a coach to fix a team that doesn't have players. So I hope the people in Querétaro know that. And I don't know why Victor took this job. You're going to a team that has... the What's the potential in this team? To win a game, you have six straight losses. What's the potential, honestly? If you win one game, is that is that a step up from Rafa Puente? Or is that a step down? Because Rafa Puente had six losses. So what is the litmus test? Like, honestly, I don't know why Victor would go to this team. He's the coach with the most wins, the most cups, the most titles. And he goes to Querétaro. I mean, honestly, I think it's embarrassing. If I was Victor, I would have held out because Quechinia's not looking too good over there in Cruz Azul. And that's a team with some potential. And that's a team where Victor Manuel Zidish could do something. But, hey, what the hell do I know? Uh... I didn't like that team. And I don't know what the directors and Gallos Blancos think. What do they think? Do they think they got a championship team? Like, what'd you expect? You got rid of Mier. A long time ago, you got rid of Orbelin. Volpi, the, one of the best goalies in Mexico, left back to Brazil. 
So Volpi left, Orvelin left a long ass time ago, uh, Mier left, like what would you expect? And now, I don't wanna, I know I'm jumping from, you know, Rafa Puente Jr. to, to Victor Manuzic going to Gallos and all this, but how retarded does the kid look? What's his name? Uh, something Rose, Roes, Marcelo Roes, I don't know what the hell his name is. But the Fuerzas Básica kid, the kid that came out of the Fuerzas Básica, uh, the Americanista, he didn't want to come to Chivas. Chivas was looking for him, all right, trying to give him a spot in a good team. And look at him now. He's in a team that just took six L's. And if you automatically would have went to Chivas and been a professional, you would have had, uh, not the spotlight on you, but you would have been recognized for being in Chivas. See, Gudinho was playing in Chipre in Europe. Does anybody know where Chipre is on the map? No. But he came to Chivas, uh, played a couple games, and got called up to the Mexican selection. So the Mexican national team. And started in a friendly. So... Marcelo Reus, Rus, Raus, I don't know what the hell your name is, Americanista kid. Look at you now, you dipshit. Should have came to Chivas. And it's not like, don't act like, oh, I'm, a, I'm such a good America. America doesn't even know who the hell you are, kid. Check this shit out. Your last center back, one of your last good center backs that wasn't uh, from abroad in America, was a guy named Massa Rodriguez. Where'd he come out of? Guadalajara. What team exactly in Guadalajara? Chivas, pendejo. Chivas. Now, let's switch. Right now, in Chivas, who's the defensive number five? Who's the defensive mid? A, goal, a guy called Molina. That played where? In America. So shut up, you moron. You gotta be kidding me, man. A rant, like that rant. That's that's the first rant of the of the podcast, I think. That's gonna be rant of the. Nah, it's not good to be rant of the year. You know, I'm gonna start producing these things, and they're gonna be on video. So don't worry about that shit. Not only am I gonna be on iTunes, I'm gonna be on on YouTube. So, and plus, I got my my YouTube channel, The Greatest Goal. So you guys could check shit out there, and uh, you're gonna see vids. Of 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 uh, the spot as I like to call it, which which this is it basically. It's my it's it's my my production space, if you will. Whatever. Let's move on. Uh, Liga MX recap and review. We're gonna talk about uh, the Chivas versus Atlas game first, and then we'll give the results. Not nah, screw it. We'll give the results first. Monterrey beat Monarcas three to two. Uh, Tijuana beat Veracruz 3-0 and that's what I'm talking about Chivas should have won that game like that like Tijuana did 3-0 but the only reason I'm getting my hopes up now is because we did that to Atlas you know and you know what's funny on a on a I'm a, I'm a side rant right here real quick check this shit out Cardoso played the first game versus Cruz Azul we won with with a certain starting 11 alright Molina in the midfield and Dieter Vielpando. Up top, you know, Vega Pulido, Brizuela Cisneros. Okay? That's basically how the team looked. Mier Pereira in the defense and the laterals. And Raul Gudinho in the, in the goal. Now, we play the first game we win. We play the second game of the season. We win. 
We play the third game versus Santos. We lose that game. And we switch formation to a 5-3-2. Cardoso says in the press conference that it worked because defensively we held down Furch. Now, Furch didn't score. Gallito Vasquez scored. Our fucking defensive number five that we used to have. The best number five in Mexico, which is Gallito. Which, who, who called? Who called Gallito? Tata Martino called Gallito. Did he call Molina? No, you dumbass. He didn't call him. Why? Why did he not call him? Because Molina is just a good defensive number five. And, and what does Tata like to look for in his 4-3-3 formation? In his possessional uh, type of football that he likes to play? He likes to look for a defensive number five that could accompany the offensive mids. And you know what Molina can't do? You know what we've seen Molina struggling in Chivas? Is when he accompanies, he doesn't shoot to goal good. He doesn't incorporate into the offensive midline. Not that it's a different line. It's the same line. But he doesn't accompany well. He can't give an assist. He can't shoot to goal. And he just doesn't incorporate well. Because more than anything, his characteristics are more defensive than they are offensive. Which is different from Gaito. Gaito could do those other things. Gaito shot from outside goal, from outside the box and scored a goal. And he's always had a good foot. You know, so uh, that's the one thing that Molina's terrible at and that's a great thing that you know Gaito's good at now what's difference obviously the stature Molina's a taller more physical player but Gaito recuperates more balls uh leads Mexico in recuperations so did we lose a player did we get a better player mm, you catch my drift did we get did we get a better player really mm, nah you know Molina's not a bad player neither so I don't want to see that but you catch my drift what the hell was my point of that whole rant? Oh, we switch formations, right? We change to a 5-3-2, we lose that game. The second game, we go back to our 4-4-2 formation. We tie that game, but he switches the players. It, it's not the same 11 that was playing from before, which was versus, versus Veracruz. We tied 0-0. Then we play the next game, which is this, this game, uh, Guadalajara versus Atlas. He switches back to the same formation. And switches back to the same players. And we win 3-0. And all of a sudden, the dynamic uh, uh, ability of the team, the defensive work, and the chemistry of the team checks out. We were playing this game like the way we played versus Cruz Azul and Toluca, which we won. So, my point is this. Cardoso is a bit of an idiot. So, that might bite us in the ass in Ligia. But at least the team has chem chemistry in and. They do well defensively. So I'm hoping for that. You know, at least, uh, you know, Matias Almeida was was a bit of an idiot as well. But what I noticed about this moron, when I'm talking about Matias Almeida, was in Liguilla, in the playoffs, he always did the tactical surprise on the opposition. He always did something tactically to surprise the opposition. And I'm not sure Cardoso is capable of that because last times he's done it in in not in the Liguilla, not in the playoffs, but in regular season games, he's fucked it up. Gotta be kidding me, Cardoso's a moron. It, it worked defensively to put in a, a a line of five or three centrales, three three center backs for Furch. Yeah, it, it worked out. But a retard. Offensively, we had three midfielders and two strikers. And offensively, did we score? So, yeah, you might have figured out the defense. And they scored from outside the box. you got to be kidding me. I mean, it doesn't happen often, but he scored from outside the box. Gaito did. But offensively, 
you you messed up the chemistry that the team had playing in a in a four two. I'm talking about the midline and the and the two strikers. You see, so you helped out. You fixed not that you fixed it defensively, but you did something tactically defensively. But you, how do you say incomodaste el ataque? You sort of took apart the chemistry and attack to fix something defensively, which is something he said in the press conference. It worked defensively. Forge didn't do nothing. Yeah, moron, but the guys up top were lost. What an idiot. Anyways, let's move on from that. Oh, let's, let's talk about the Chivas Atlas game. Did I already give all the results? No, I don't think I did. Okay, Lobos uh, beat Querétaro 3-1. Puebla tied Pachuca 1-1. Cruz Azul lost to Santos 2-1. Tigres beat Necaxa 3-2. And Pumas beat America 1-0. Good game. I saw that game. It was good shit by Pumas. Pumas really outplaying America. America looking like shit. Nico looking like shit. Uh, honestly, I don't know what happened there. You know. Um, but we'll talk about that right now. Let's talk about Chivas Atlas. Um, oh, we switched back to the same formation. And what I've noticed is this. The overall, I'm not going to mention three goals. Good goals by Alexis Vega. Hopefully that takes off pressure off him. But more than anything, I have to say this. The tactical sector that's more playing in harmony of this Chivas team is Dieter Vielpando, Brizuela, and Alexis Vega. When Alexis Vega comes outside the box on the right-hand side, sort of right-center mid, comes outside the box, when Brizuela... Comes in, cuts in, and when Dieter goes up a little bit, that little circle plays really, really good football. Has really, really good chemistry. I mean, if and if you look at the goals, they all come from those three players, from a play coming from that little sector. So that's exactly what I mean. Good goals by Alexis. I think the the uh, Atlas was too cautious of Alan Pulido or too uh, preoccupied with Alan Pulido that they forgot about the other guy, and the other guy did what he needed to do with which is score and get pressure off him so he could perform later. And like I said, Dieter, Brizuela, and and uh, Vega have a real good uh, chemistry as well. So that little sector of the Chivas uh, attack is looking real good. So let's see what they continue to do. Now let's move on to America Pumas. And what I want to say about America is I get the attitude of Piojo Herrera. Uh, his team was not trying to pressure I know lots of people said they got outplayed, which I agree. They did get outplayed, but they got outplayed because America let them outplay them. You see what I'm saying? America wasn't pressuring their defensive uh, back four. You never saw the Americanistas, the Amer um, Americas attack, pressure their defensive line. So it wasn't a type of a team uh, that was looking to, to press, to work, to recuperate, to attack. America, more than anything, was sitting back and waiting for an opportunity to score. And that opportunity never came. Uh, the chemistry wasn't there, which it has been, has been there in the past for America. So it was weird. You know, what they just had, what they had just showed to had, have in this uh, in this season, it, they didn't show up in this game. And yeah, Nico came in and he didn't look 100%. So it's understandable. The other players like... Um, like the other nine that they had, honestly, I've never been like uh, highly speaking of him. I don't like him at all. I, I don't know what his name is. You know, the name's leaving me right now. But the, the other number nine, Roger Martinez. 
That number nine, I've never liked. And it's not because he's an Americanista. It's not that. What I mean, if he's a good number nine, I'll tell you if he's a good number nine. And Roger Martinez says he's not a good number nine anyway. So what the fuck is the point? He's not a good nine. You know? You know, I heard Piojo say something the other day. He said that this team could, could be a, a, a historical team. A, a, a team que marca época. That, that sort of uh, runs, uh, not a decade, but a, but, a, but a moment in Mexican football where they could dominate. I don't agree at all. And for this reason, just compare this team. Not even compare the team. I'm not going to mention the rest of the team. But just compare the strikers. Nico Castillo and the other retard they have. Roger Martinez, or, or I don't know who the other... But check this out. At one moment, they had, guess who? They had Raul Jimenez and Chucho Benitez. Now they got an out of shape Castillo that's not in rhythm, and Roger Martinez, a player that was never good. So, where are you going to dominate? You're not going to dominate nowhere. What are you talking about, Piojo? What are you saying? And guess who was before Chucho and 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 um, and Raúl Jiménez? You know, not like right before, but before before. The other guys that that marked a moment where they sort of dominated—not dominated, but they they played real good football. You know, to dominate, it's going to be real hard because you need great players, you need a great coach, and you need consistency, and and you need the players to stay there and be, you know. Uh, uh, willing to have long contracts so they could dominate for a long period of time. And that's sort of hard to keep because usually when players start to perform individually, they leave because they get bought out. So it's hard to dominate for a long time. But before Raul Jimenez and Chucho, before before them, it was guys like a Cotemo Blanco and a Cabañas. So you're telling me with Nico Castillo and Roger Martinez, or old Esperalta, that you're going to dominate? And Entry uh, Martin that you already forgot about? You're going to dominate with those players. You're going to play well with those players. You're not going to dominate shit. Don't get it twisted, Piojo. Don't forget that shit. Now, America, all the Americanistas are probably shitting their pants. Or a lot of America haters, which I'm not one. I really don't care about America. You know, I'll call a spade a spade. At the end of the day, this is soccer. And if soccer was gone tomorrow, there's no problem. It's a game. Uh, but... My point is this. America has players to play well. Don't worry about it because the consistency that you once had, it's not like it went away. It's still there, but you're incorporating in a player. You just brought in Benedetti. You have to see the potential of Benedetti. And that chemistry is already there. It's just for this game, it wasn't there. So it's going to come back. I know America's still there. They didn't lose it, uh, you know, out of nowhere. That was just a bad game and a, and a bad... More than anything, it was the wrong approach. Piojo really implemented the wrong type of strategy for that game. And it looked real bad because it looked like not only did Piojo in, uh, implement a bad strategy, but on top of it, Bruno put the perfect strategy to, uh, to go against America, which he did pressure. America didn't. He, the, the players were trying to, to play dynamic. And it was a 4-3-3 versus a 4-4-2. There's a difference. Not only is America playing with two midfielders, the other guy has three. Not only is America trying to hold back and just defend and wait for a, a, a lost ball and a counterattack, 
but the other team's playing with more players in, in a certain area where they can dominate more. On top of that, they're actually pressuring and trying to be dynamic and be possessional. Where America was just trying to sit back and it just it, it looked out to be an ass whooping when it, it really wasn't. It really wasn't. America wanted to do that. And it, it really looked like Pumas was was making them look that look like that. Like if they were getting pushed back into the defensive sector, which they weren't. They weren't. America gave up ball possession didn't mind it, and was trying to counter. But the problem is the counters didn't come, and uh, Pumas played almost a perfect game. Could have scored a second, could have scored a third, but didn't come. But America wasn't looking desperate at no point in, no point in the game. So I think those two things really, they, they came to, uh, together well enough for it to look like, uh, you know, the America haters, like, sort of overblew it. You know, like, oh, Pumas is really doing damage. Nah. Pumas has stepped it up with Bruno, with Bruno Marioni, and and Piojo did uh, implement a bad strategy. And Nico is out of shape, they're out of rhythm, and uh, certain things happen where it made it made it look a little worse than it actually was. So America's gonna be back in it. There's no no problem with that shit. Uh, so Americanista shouldn't be worried about nothing. Now, I didn't print up the goddamn table, but right now, uh, America is out. Of the Ligia, which is honestly not even a problem because they got one less game than everybody else, and it's still close in the in the in the in the uh, on in the table. I think Chivas is tied with like three people, right, or two people. I think I think last week we were tied with like four. So it's, everything's within a point, a point, two points, three points, a victory, and a couple losses gets it bumps you up to all the way like to third place if you're like in ninth. So. It's too close right now to, to define anything. And I think Chivas is in fourth. But um, for sure they're going to be in Ligia. They just have too too much of a good chemistry for them not to be in Ligia. You don't even have to rely on the, you know, lots of people look at the table and go, oh, this is going to be a hard week. Oh, this is going to be a hard week. Guess what? Chivas can compete in, against any team in Mexico. So against any team, it doesn't matter. And they already have a good chemistry. And that's pretty much where the equation ends. They have good chemistry. They got good players. And they'll get the wins. They'll get the draws. And they'll, they'll get into the league. They're in fourth place right now, like I said. And yes, they're, they're going to be there. America's going to be there. They have too much of a good team and too much of chemistry in the past. Uh, not in the past, but you get what I'm saying. Not Take, take away the Pumas game. And uh, they had been performing well from there. So they're gonna be there, you know. I think, um, I think, uh, man, I really needed to print out the goddamn table. Whatever, I'll print out the table next week on Monday. I will release the greatest goal. Scratch everything I just said, and we'll talk about the goddamn table. It's week seven. Week seven. There's 18 fechas. Matter of fact, I'm not gonna pull out the table. I'll pull out the table. Uh, I'll pull out the table in the ninth fecha. Week nine. After the results of week nine, I'll pull out the fetcha. That's the halfway mark of the goddamn season. And that's when we'll say what it's shaping up to be like. We're almost there anyways, but, you know, whatever. What you're going to do. Anyways, people, thank you for listening. I didn't even say what episode this was. This was episode number 34 of the Greatest Gold Podcast. Thank you for listening. And later. Later, bitches.